0: And for our discussion today, I'm joined by Barry Wood, who is RTHK's international economics correspondent. Hi to you, Barry.
1: Yes, good morning to you, Carolyn.
0: Good evening to you. And I'm also joined by Ben Emmons, who's principal and senior portfolio manager at New Edge Wealth. Good evening to you as well, Ben.
2: Good evening, Caroline. Thank you for having us.
0: Oh, it's great to have you both on the show. Now, something we've been talking about a lot recently is about how the uh, Magnificent Seven tech companies have been driving record performance by the S&P 500. But Ben, you've been looking into how their market share is now affecting other indices like the Dow Jones, and you're talking about a Dow jinx. So can you explain what that is and what's going on there?
2: Yeah, Caroline, every every sort of like... I'd say every other year or every year, the the, the Dow Jones changes composition. And now in this time, it was that Amazon was added to the Dow and Walmart was taken out. And it has to do also with the performance of these companies and probably some sort of discretion that the uh, the Dow index uh, keepers are, are having about which industries they think represents best the, the, the 30 industrials of the United States. So on the one hand, it's really that mechanics of this composition change. On the other hand, it's about this Mac 7, right? Because the, the Amazon is part of Mac 7. That's now entering the, the DAO, which has Microsoft and Apple in there. So it's getting Amazon added to it. And so roughly about 13%, percent of the DAO related to Mac 7. And that will start to matter now, given where we are currently with that group driving everything, in 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 the United States stock markets, that the Dow will be influenced more by Max Seven. I think it could initially be somewhat negative because whenever the the new entrant of the Dow, you know, gets in there, in this case Amazon tends to not perform as well, whereas the one that accesses the, the Dow does perform well. Why that is, not a hundred percent sure, but that seems to be the history. On the other hand, we're having a lot of valuation challenges and concerns about Max Seven in general. So. It will probably affect the Dow uh, from here.
0: Okay, so we're looking at possible changes in valuation for the tech sector. However, Goldman recently said it sees the stock rally broadening beyond those magnificent seven. So so what do you both think in terms of sectors that could be driving change going forwards? And should we stop being talking about the magnificent seven quite so much? Uh, Barry, what do you think there?
1: Well, I I think Ben has got it right. I mean, uh, uh, the Dow Jones is a very important index and uh, having Amazon in it is uh, significant. I would uh, say that uh, the fundamentals of the U.S. economy are what really is driving a broader market uptrend. And that is uh, a downward trend in inflation, a very steady and high economic growth number, and unemployment that is at a 35-year low. So you've got good fundamentals in the United States. You've got a strong dollar. You've got a weak oil price that is good for U.S. consumers. So I think it's hard to be pessimistic about the U.S. economy, particularly since Europe is not doing well, and all listeners know that China has face some problems that it has not really come to terms with and the outlook is not particularly bright there. I think Japan, which I know is technically in recession, nonetheless look at the stock market at record highs. Oh, yeah. I think uh, Japan is doing well.
0: Yeah, now strong economy, you're, you're absolutely right there. But I think there have been some concerns that the hype over AI could be similar to the internet bubble of the uh, late nineties, uh, two thousand. Now, JP Morgan's Jamie Dimon says he doesn't think that's true. Uh, ben, is he right?
2: Yeah, I think he has a point. Um, you know, the the, the the issue really is is that we're having a stock market being currently driven by just such a singular group. And although historically that's happened before, right, you, you always get some sort of a leadership in the market that that drives gains forward. It's just a reflection of where the economy is at that point in time. So, you know, in our case today, take the durable goods numbers that were kind of weak. But if you drill in the numbers, you, have, you see a lot of, like, computer and and chips and electronics, durable goods actually rising. And that's really because we're having a sort of a semi a semiconductor manufacturing boom in the U.S. currently. So it's really why also this Magnificent Seven idea is really driving the stock market for those economic reasons forward. But on the other hand, there's caution here, right, as in how far does that go? And we're getting a political change at the end of this year. There will be a new president in the White House, or whether it's Trump or Biden, which one of the two will be. The um, you know, policy will change. So I think why he is
1: taking some reservation here where we are currently.
0: I'd I'd like to talk, I'm so sorry, Barry, did you want to say something there?
1: Well, I was just going to say, Carolyn, that uh, if there's a bubble, I think it's just NVIDIA. I mean, the run up in this uh, AI related stock and this uh, gaming related stock has been extraordinary. Uh, They're now very, what are they, 1.7 trillion. They've passed by Amazon. They're the fifth biggest company in the world. So, no, I don't think there's a bubble.
0: Okay, so I'd love to talk a little bit more about the election shortly, but one other story that came up overnight is that Bloomberg are reporting that Apple is to wind back its EV plans. Uh, Barry, what have you uh, found out about this?
1: Well, it's interesting because uh, their annual meeting comes up in less than 24 hours. And Apple is such a tightly controlled company that nothing really leaks out without um, it being planned. So I think that uh, they wanted this information out. It's significant. This was a secret project. They called it Titan. Uh, They had 2,000 people working on this. We never saw a picture of an Apple car, uh, so it wasn't very far along. I think the question is... What are they going to do with those 2,000 people? They say they're going to shift many of them into their artificial intelligence project, and that's a big one, but I wonder if some of them will go to other companies. There wasn't much of a stock response from either Rivian or Tesla or Ford or General Motors, but it's very significant, but they're pulling out. Apple doesn't pull out of many things, but AI is their number one project cars has fallen away.
0: Yeah, Ben, have you got any thoughts on that?
1: Well, it's it's an
2: interesting story because, you know, in the NVIDIA earnings, they were talking about, that particularly automotive uh, companies, they talked about 80 of them, were adopting their technology in in different applications, whether it's in in cameras or electronics in the car. But the AI technology is applied, they call that inference, sort of like the output and training of technology. And so Apple is one of their, what they say, hyperscalers, right, like one of their big customers, one of them. So this is interesting to hear, you know, it may just be strategic on Apple's side that they just don't really want to get into this business altogether. you know, Google has, has tried to think about the students' driverless riding, drivers' drivers' uh, riding. Sorry, which is a challenging concept, right? There's also on Google uh, some uh, some some antitrust issues out there now on how they're applying their AI with chatbots, right? So other issue, so. It's not all, like, blue skies and rainbows and puppies and stuff. <laughs> you're right, Ben. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know, it's a fantastic story, NVIDIA. You're right, it's very, it probably is the NVIDIA bubble, right? But the rainbows and the puppies are, uh, are you know... We can question that here and
0: there. <laughs> okay, let's be careful about that. Now, let's get back to that US yeah. uh, presidential election that you uh, you alluded to earlier. The, uh, the Prime in Michigan is, is happening at the moment. So what are you yeah. forecasting there? Uh, Barry, do you want to start on this one and we can have a look at what's going on yeah, around the
1: election? I'll be happy to, Carolyn. Uh, look, the polls will uh, close in about one hour's time. And... Donald Trump will win on the Republican side. It's a question of how big a number that will be vis-a-vis Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley was there just in the last 24 hours. She doesn't expect to do very well, but she would certainly love to have a pleasant surprise. On the Democratic side, there's another issue, and that is you've got a big Arab community just outside of Detroit in Dearborn, and Miss Tlaib, who is the representative from Dearborn in the Congress, is urging people not to vote for Biden, he's the only name on the ballot, uh, but to write in, un- committed. Michigan has a rather curious system. I think that it'll be Biden and Trump in Michigan.
0: Interesting. Ben, how do you see markets taking forecasting for the election overall at the moment?
2: Yeah, what I noted was that in in, in volatility, you know, the VIX, right, which is the fear gauge, the big the big index for measuring volatility of the US stock market, there's you know you can there's futures contracts on those on that VIX and if you look at that further out in, in the year, there's a big spike expected in the VIX around the election. So the market is sort of like, I think at this moment, that uh, it's going to look at an election that's going to be not only very tight or maybe tied up and then and into something that we may have experienced in, in, the, in the year 2000, if you remember, between um, uh, Bush and Gore right, that ended up in, in the Supreme Court And given the the nature of U.S. politics around the election and what has happened with the the 2020 election, uh, you can imagine that it's going to potentially cause a lot of uncertainty. And we don't know how it will play out. It's too far out in the future. But volatility is a forward-looking indicator, and people trade those futures, so they, they have priced in. It could potentially be somewhat of a volatility event. This was interestingly also the same way in the 2020 election. Of course, that was all with the pandemic and everything else. On the other hand, there's a lot of like, discussions about if it's going to be Trump, we're going to have to be prepared for tariffs. Uh, he's talking about universal tariffs, talking about 60% of of, uh, of tariffs on China. There's now news out that U.S. automakers are pushing for more tariffs on China already because they're fearing China flooding the U.S. market with these EVs. Same thing in Europe. There's news out uh, out of the UK for the same reason. So that tariff aspect is already happening. And then against that, you have Biden's policies, which is all about infrastructure and semiconductors, that has really driven the market now, that may then change. And then. Layer over that, what Trump may wants to do with tax cuts for, for the income. So you can think about this picture of a volatile, you know, event with, you know, outcomes on the economy that could become quite uncertain from where we are sitting right now with all this, you know, great economy and soft landing.
0: Now, speaking of uh, chips, uh, Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo is saying that the U.S. is seeking to have 20 percent of global production of advanced semiconductors by 2030. So how does that play into all of the, uh, the issues between uh, the U.S. and China,
1: Barry? Oh, boy, it's a big one. Uh, look, Gina Raimondo has been at the table for all of the AI discussions, and she's got a uh, a pocketbook filled with about $53 billion to throw for startups uh, in this kind of advanced semiconductor. She wants to go from zero in terms of advanced semiconductor production in the States to 20% in the next six years. So this is a very big undertaking. She wants the United States to be the hub for the global industry. Clearly, as you suggest, that's right up against China. But I think it's got a lot of support. She's a very savvy manager. She was the governor of Rhode Island. And uh, she says that the U.S. has to have this kind of production of advanced chips or it's going to lose its lead to China. So it's something to watch.
0: Okay, we're going to have to finish it there. Thank you so much to both Barry Wood and Ben Emmons for joining me on the show today.